It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. I know I've been absent for just a little while, but I've been so busy. My goodness, there are so many things that have happened in the last six weeks. I know I've talked to you a couple weeks back, but have you ever reached a point in your life when things are going so well that you're afraid to talk about them? Like my mother used to call it a kinahara. I don't know if you know what that is. I think it's a Yiddish type of saying from a go. It meant if you say something, you're going to jinx yourself and then all is going to go to shit. So I'm almost afraid to talk about the things that are going on because my mother is like up there looking down on me, pointing her finger and shaking her head. Robin, you know what's going to happen. But, you know, I've never been the type to be able to hold things in. So I'm talking about it. All right. Number one, I spent six weeks in Florida and with my kids in Charlotte, traveling with these two dogs that caused me nothing but grief, even though I love them. Don't get me wrong. It's just that they are such a pain in my ass on the plane, keeping them in the yard. It's just enough already with these dogs. But I found a house. I'm moving to Florida. That's the first great thing. I didn't even anticipate finding a house. I was just going to look at the areas to see if there was a place I wanted to move to. I have a very close girlfriend down there. I wanted to be near her. She's like family to me. And we're like sisters. Who knew that in the first week of being there, I would find a house? I didn't expect it. I've already hired painters to come in in June and another guy I have to spend $2,500 on to line the already existing fence because of my two six-pound dogs. You see what I mean? It's never-ending with them. God forbid they just want to stay where I put them. They're constantly escaping or looking for another way out. God, they sound like me. So I have that to look forward to. A move. I've already packed up a whole lot of my stuff. I know what furniture I need to sell. I know what I need to keep. I can't figure out if there's a moving company out there that is outside the box thinking enough for me, because here's my situation. Now, I'm sure you've used a mover in the past, and I can guarantee you nine out of 10 times, it is a disaster. I mean, like a shit show. Nothing winds up the way you expect it. The inventory is all screwed up. You're missing items. They break things. They don't show up when they say they're going to show up. Look, I've moved so many times in my life. I can vouch for all of those experiences. Anyway, what I really want is someone like a U-Haul truck driver that I don't have to go through a company to get it done. I want somebody that will just take my stuff and not have me box up my pictures. I've got 30 paintings. Some are in glass and some are canvas. I painted, I would say, the majority of them. So I don't need those big boxes and the insurance on the pictures. I created most of them. I don't need wardrobe boxes because I can throw my clothes on top of something, put a picture on top of my clothes and put another picture on top of that and stack them against the wall. So they're safe. I don't know if there's a moving company out there that will see it my way. That's all I want is someone to see it my way. This is my stuff. And it doesn't matter to me if these things are insured. I just want them packed the way 
I'm suggesting. I also don't want to drive my car. I want to hire somebody to take it and just put it on one of those big trucks, you know, that stacks up all the cars. Don't ask me why. I'm driving a 2014 Mustang that's got less than 13,000 miles on it, and I'm worried about mileage on the car. Of course, all of these things are much more important than the fact that I just kicked cancer's ass again to the curb. My list of priorities keeps shifting because when you've gone through it more than once, twice, three times, this is my fifth time, it almost becomes a way of life. Kick it to the curb, okay, it comes back. Go through chemo, all right, you're done. Find another med, change hospitals. I did all that. When I was in Florida, I had to find another hospital to administer the chemo for two doses, the beginning of my trip and the end. That's a little scary. Putting your faith and trust in a new facility, praying to God they give you the right drug, and living to tell about it. And yet here I'm talking about a moving van that's more important. You see, things just get a little warped. In fact, I feel like I'm in some kind of vortex or time warp because so many things are going on at the same time. And most normal people that have cancer do not do this to themselves. They just don't. They take care of themselves. They pamper themselves. They take it easy. And I have a daughter who's sick with cancer. And I'm devoting as much energy and time to her, too, in the middle of all this chaos. And by the way, she's doing great. She's gone through so much. Oh, and the other daughters are being extremely proactive, making sure that they have MRIs and mammograms and genetic testing, as I hope you will do, and encourage your daughter and daughters. It's so important to stay ahead of the game, ahead of that damn eight ball. But there's one other thing that I want to talk to you about that I know I shouldn't. I just feel it in my bones, but I will because I'm my own worst enemy, as my mother would say. And my father would say, you and that mouth of yours, I can still hear him saying it. So my first week in Florida, I spent looking and searching for areas and houses and chasing my dog and visiting my girlfriend and finding a house and having them say no over a difference of $2,500. Who allows that to happen? For me, it was a matter of principle because I could picture us sitting at the closing table arguing over a minuscule thing that meant nothing. And I've done that before. Been there, done that with a homeowner that I was buying a house from in New York. No way was I going to subject myself to that again. $2,500? You're going to stop the deal? Come on. That's ridiculous. I remember that closing in New York. My husband at the time had to hold on to the back of my shirt to stop me from climbing up on the table to strangle the woman that owned the house that we were buying. I know that's a hard picture. It's hard to imagine that I would become that passionate about a situation. (laughs) But it's true. And it was all over a $50 freezer that she didn't want to part with that was in the laundry room. It was part of the house, part of the things that were staying. She changed her mind. And she was trying to say that she was taking that $50 freezer or she was going to renege on the entire process of selling the house. How do you do that at closing? 
To this day, I will never understand what possessed this woman. That house had been on the market for over a year. So that's when I jumped up on the table and my husband grabbed onto me and said, Robin, the freezer's not worth it. <laughs> it was just the principle of the thing. I'm all about principles. There's points in life. We have standards. We are supposed to be good people. Honor our words. Oh, it's just stupid that I would let something like that get in the way. But man, I had a point to make. And for some reason, this woman had her point to make. And I just lost it. And when this house, the first house I put a bid on in Florida, came back at $2,500 saying, I need to come up $2,500 or there's no deal. I just pictured that whole scene all over again. And I walked away. I kept looking. And, you know, I looked online the other day and that house is still for sale. Like, does she not know what she did? Okay, so I'm veering off track. Here's the other thing. Week two, I'm staying in this other area that I think I mentioned to you. On the beach, I'm 70 miles away from the area I'm looking to purchase. And I decided one night to go online and I met someone. I just met a guy. Met him at a bar in Stewart, Florida. He walked behind me. I felt his presence as he walked behind me. Let me rephrase that. I felt that thing. You know, when the hairs on the back of your neck sort of stand up? And no, he didn't blow on my neck. It was just one of those feelings. And he walked in front of me and sat down at the corner seat across from me and said to me, no way are you sick. Because in my profile, I said, you know, I'm a cancer survivor. I'm going through treatments. I look normal. I act normal, as normal as I get. And so I'm honest about this because there's lots of guys that would not want to date someone that has this kind of illness. And you know, props to them if they're honest about it. And they say, you know, it's too much for me to handle. Well, you know, go on with your merry life. I don't need to handle your crap either. But this guy knew all about it. The first thing he said was, no way are you sick with a very thick New Jersey accent. And truthfully and secretly, I miss that accent. Oh, God. I've been listening to these Southern people, and I don't have anything against these Southern people. You know that. And I use the excuse that I don't understand one thing they're saying when I know that can't possibly be true. Because if I can survive New York and New Jersey accents and Pittsburgh accents, where I was originally from, then I could survive a Southern accent. But I think it just has to do with the chemistry of the person. And what they say, not the accent, but what comes out of their mouth. And when he looked at me, he gave me that serious look. You know, like when you're looking down and you look up sort of over your glasses at somebody without wearing the glasses. When he said to me, no way are you sick? I just felt like this is a guy that doesn't mince words. He has no filter, says what's on his mind looks at me and takes me extremely seriously, listens to what I have to say, which I found out by the end of the date. And by the time it was time to go, he had already made plans with his daughter and had a little bit of a nervousness about him. 
very humble. And I said, you know, no problem. It's only 8.30. I'm in another part of Florida. I can look around. I can see what I want to see, find another restaurant or whatever, go shopping, lots of street vendors. So he went on his way and I went on my way. The next day, I didn't hear from him. Following day, I heard from him. You could just tell that this guy wasn't sure of the right approach with me. He didn't want to come off too strong. He didn't want to be too laid back. He was nervous. I invited him over to my cottage and he came in and he sat down. And the first thing he said to me is, I'm a nervous wreck. I don't know what it is about you. Something makes me nervous. He says, I can't help it. I haven't felt this way in forever. And I wanted to laugh because I understand that I can make people nervous, but I was really behaving. You know, I was being a good girl. I was keeping my distance. I was making sure that I wasn't being too pushy. I didn't talk too much. I was just being nice. And yet I still made him nervous. I thought to myself, if he only knew me, he'd be a fucking mess. Well, I said to him, look, I'm not here to make you nervous. I'm not here to change anything about you. I'm just here to enjoy your company. And I hope that you'll do the same with me. And he goes, oh, oh, yeah, of course, you know, no problem. The more we talked, the more comfortable he became. And from that day forward, I saw him every day for two weeks. Now, how does that happen? Tell me that's not a rarity. And man, he made me laugh. And he would look at me with looks that I haven't seen in forever, like astonishment or how did I get this lucky kind of look, you know, like he made me feel really special. And there was this other feeling that I got, like he wanted to take care of me. He was going through so much turmoil in his life, in the tailwinds of a divorce, we're talking like a month, dealing with his attorney, medically double checking on something that's been symptomatic with him, which is nothing that would stop me from wanting to see him. He's telling his kids about me. He wants to take me to his house for Easter with his family. And I'm like, whoa, I think we need to slow this down. Even though I wanted to go and it felt okay to me as it felt okay to him, I just wondered what the rest of the family would think or what the repercussions would be while going through this final tailwind of your divorce. But as it turns out, we did spend two weeks together. And I never got sick of him once. Never. Which is very unlike me. And I always looked forward to seeing him every single day. And while all of this was going on, I'm in touch with my girlfriend and I'm seeing her when she's off and I'm seeing him when she's working. And it was the perfect combination. Everything lined up. My dad used this word with me when I was little. He taught it to me. It's called syzygy. It's when four or more planets line up in a row. Syzygy. S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y. And that's what I felt like was happening. I found a house. My goodness. I met a man. I got time to spend with my girlfriend. I went to the beach with the dogs. I went to the beach with him. I got to walk on the ocean, which is really what I was looking so forward to doing. I felt like my life had done a turnaround. I was having chemo. I was feeling okay. I didn't get sick from the treatments. What else could I have asked for out of life? 
at that moment for those two weeks, and then it was time to go. We uh, had a hard time saying goodbye, but both of us knew I was coming back. I think that was the saving grace. And all the time that I was with him, I know he was feeling the same thing that I was feeling. This is too good to be true. There's got to be a catch. This is a short-term romance that may last a couple of weeks or more. Maybe we'll talk for the next week. I don't know. Maybe he'll forget me. Maybe I won't matter. Maybe he'll go back with his wife. All those stupid things that we insist on shoving into our brains and locking behind our teeth so that we don't say them out loud were going through my head, as I'm sure they were his. The long and short of it is we have talked every day since. He is coming to see me on the 14th. That's pretty cool. He'll be here for nine days. And let's see what happens. I'm willing to give it a chance to take that risk. Is it something you would do? Could you picture yourself finding somebody, spending two weeks in a row with them, leaving, having them come to your house, staying with you for nine days? Could you picture doing this? I know most people can't. It's too much. It's too far. But, you know, I'm one of those kind of people. I push the envelope. And so is he. So I'll let you know at the end of nine days if one or the two of us are still standing and still together. I think it's going to be a hoot. And look, as long as you've known me, stranger things have happened. At least it makes for a great story. And quite honestly, the words that he says to me are the nicest things I've ever heard. And they're genuine, real, honest to God humbleness. I can't remember the last time that a man has been 100% humble with me, told the complete truth I enjoyed sexually and could laugh easily at what was said and done. And one of the other highlights is I think he's crazier than me. I don't know how it's possible, but he's like a whirlwind. When he walks in a room, everybody comes to attention. He has something to say about this and about that. He's not shy in the slightest bit unless he's with me. (laughs) But that's good. I mean, I like that. But he's coming into himself when he's with me. And I'm curious to see how we both react once he's here in my little spider web of a house. We'll see. Now, the last thing I want to tell you is I got my numbers back. My CA-125 has dropped again, which is fantastic. The ovarian cancer is going into remission again. I had an MRI and the tumors that had been there have shrunk drastically. So I'm really reacting well to the chemo that they have me on. And to look at me, you'd never know, as he said, I don't look sick. I have maybe two or three bad days a month and then I'm good and I'm healing. And hopefully I'll be in remission again for another two years. It's one of those cancers that keeps coming back, you know, like the ever ready buddy. I'll deal with it. And that's what I'm doing. Most importantly, I wish that you would make that appointment that you've been putting off. Go see your gynecologist. Go have your mammogram. 
go have an MRI, do whatever you need to do to make yourself feel safe within yourself. That little thing that's been bothering you that you keep pushing aside, don't push it aside. Don't let anybody tell you you're overreacting or making a mountain out of a molehill. Remember when our mothers used to say that? You go and you take care of yourself and find the answers to the things that are nibbling at you inside, the questions that are bothering you. Is this normal? Should I really be feeling like that? If you have the the slightest doubt about anything going on, go see your doctor. And you can write me at robinmarshallsugarmom at gmail.com. I'll walk and talk you through anything if you need the help or if you just want to compare notes. You can write me on iTunes right there, Sugar Mom by Robin Marshall. Go to my website, sugarmom.net. Now, as I've said before, I'm moving. I have a garage filled with products. Anything you want from my Sugar Mom store that you'll see at sugarmom.net is yours for free because I'm going to just give these things away when I have an estate sale or a house sale. I'm serious now. Anything there is yours for free. Just figure out what it would cost to ship and that's all we have to deal with. Write me a note, tell me what you want and it's on its way to you. And what I would appreciate from you is that you subscribe to my podcast if you haven't by now. Just click that button, the subscribe button, and it's free. You'll just be able to hear me once a week or so, and uh, we stay friends forever. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll let you know what happens with my friend when he shows up. I might wait until after he leaves so that I have some privacy and I can really fill you in with the details. One good thing is my dogs already know him <laughs> and they like him. We'll see. My famous two words, we'll see. I think I've said those two words to my children their whole lives about every and any question they ever asked me when I was pushed up against a wall by one of them. We'll see. But mom, I said, we'll see. See? <laughs> Have a good one. Love to you. Talk with you next week. It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom.